0: Welcome to the Naked and Unashamed Life Podcast. In this podcast, we aim to bridge the gap between sex, spirit, mind, emotions, body, and relationships. We explore the intersections of sex, gender, spirituality, body image, relationships, embodiment, trauma, living a sexually authentic life, and more. This podcast is for you if you are sexually curious, if you want to deconstruct your beliefs around sex and embrace your full sexual, erotic, and human potential, and you want to create a sex and love life that lights you up from the inside. I'm Lucy Rowett, certified sex coach and sexologist who is passionate and gives a fuck about helping women and people with vulvas let go of sexual shame and hang-ups, and embrace pleasure to create the passionate relationship they've always desired. I'm a former good girl and teacher's pet, neurodivergent and eccentric. I grew up in the church, was fully immersed in purity culture, and had years of chronic illness. I had to go through my own path of recovery, sexual healing, and befriending my body. I believe that your sexuality is yours first that it's a sacred and essential part of you and that the path to healing starts by befriending your body. This podcast is full of swear words with explicit references so listen at your discretion or with your earbuds in. So I hope it delights your ears and stimulates your mind and let's jump into today's episode. hello hello i guess you could say this is part two of how a former evangelical christian became a sexologist and when i was thinking about this episode there was so many part of me was like do i want to make this kind of linear so from what from the age of 23 i did xyz and then i thought what is much more I guess a lie for me is to give a non-linear version of how, I guess my own story of how I went from one place to the place I am now. And it's, what's really interesting is whenever, whenever people ask me about how I became a sexologist, it's all, I say that there's a long version and a short version. And in many ways, when I've been telling people in the past it's often like there's a cutoff point, I guess, what year is it now? It's 2023. Maybe a cutoff point until about 2017. Because what was it? I really should have written the dates down. What was it the year that we years that I kind of deconstructed. And at the same time, I was living in a care home and building my life back up. And until now, you no, know, until 2017, they were really intense years which coincided with my early 20s and now I'm 33 and I've had I say more life experience and that's been a very different journey and I'll be sharing more (laughs) more about that in the future Um, especially as my journey the past I say few years has been much more deeply into somatic work being in my body Nervous system stuff and relationship work because relationship has been one of my deepest trigger points. But I'm going to backtrack. So I can't remember where I left off, so some of this may overlap. But I think it was in 2011. I really dates are still arbitrary I don't know if it's long COVID or whatever my brain is still a little bit hazy could be post-pandemic trauma as well but in 2011 I moved down to a care home nursing home care home in Eastbourne and I remember when I was uh, moved there I was literally we we hired a private ambulance to travel me travel transport me down from East London to Eastbourne Because at that point, I was still bedridden. I could not sit up for very long. Um, So I was literally being stretchered in. Very dramatic. And that was when I first came to Sussex. So what's interesting is every time I've met people and I said, yeah, I grew up in London, and I moved down to Sussex, and they said, why? And for a long time, I would either sugarcoat it or glaze over it saying, yeah, health. Because it's tricky to explain to people, especially when I was just, I guess, in recovery and presenting as a very well person to explain, yeah, I'm living in a mental health care home or I was living in a mental health care home, especially as I present so quote unquote normally now, which is hilarious. I've never been normal. So I moved down to Eastbourne and this is also the time when I was really entering into the faith deconstruction more seriously more heavily and I started having regular Reiki treatments and what I loved about the woman who came Lisa Magdalena (laughs) hope you're listening to this and the Reiki was that it was once a week where someone was laying their hands on me and wasn't trying to make me get better and I to a skeptic They could say it was a placebo effect, but I would counter that by saying I had literally no expectations of Reiki doing anything. It just felt really nice. It felt really good to my body. I really liked Lisa. And after a few weeks of having Reiki, my body started to feel twitchy. Like I had ants in my pants, but the ants were everywhere. I had to move. And the only way I could get rid of the twitchiness was by walking. And that was the beginning of my physical recovery out of being bedridden and I don't want to I guess give I guess a load of details because there's so much to tell about living in mental health care homes I think I lived in mental health care homes from 2009 until 2015 so that's about six years of living in mental health care homes and that is a whole other podcast episode because you you see a lot you learn a lot um I coming from a very sheltered upbringing, a very protected upbringing by parents who I see as being very protected and naive in many ways. Neither of my parents drink alcohol. My dad doesn't drink a tiny bit. They don't smoke. I was brought up to believe all drugs are very bad. Um, To living in places where people are snorting cocaine on a table in front of me, where somebody's having a drug come down and they're smashing the furniture up where um, people are doing like shooting up in the toilets, where people are passing out from alcohol, (laughs) where somebody's having a psychiatric breakdown and is banging all the walls. (laughs) Um, I once walked into a woman lying on the sofa, fucking herself with a carrot. So (laughs) living in mental health care homes is a really great crash course in life. But also it gave me so much empathy for people who i say empathy like fucking lived experience of people who are quote unquote at quote quote at the bottom of society because these mental health care homes were generally for people who had been passed from pillar to post been in the mental health system for years which if you have any experience of the uk mental health system is barely held together by bubble gum and sticky tape so these are people who've been in the system for years and have passed from pillar to post. These, uh, these care homes were like the last resort. And what I know now is I was sent there as a last resort. Anyway, summing up, my time there was a time of both getting my health back, but also growing up. Because I missed out on all this time. And I made some really strong friendships there. And it was in this time I started going to meetup groups and I was, I think, one of the founding members of the Eastbourne Couchsurfing Meetup, renamed the Eastbourne International Group. So I was going to that every single week because that was how I made friends. And that was how I started to speak French and Spanish again, because I'd kidnap, (laughs) not kidnap, lovingly kidnap uh, lots of French and Spanish students who were in Eastbourne to study English to go out for coffee and we do a language exchange. Um, it was at that time I had my, I met my first boyfriend and I had my sexual debut, not lost my virginity, sexual debut, where we had, I had my sexual debut in that mental health care home, bless him. And then afterwards, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and thinking, is there something, am I different now? Am I somehow sullied, is, am, am I dirty now? Because even though I didn't believe in Christianity these teachings anymore anyone who's been through faith deconstruction will know that it's not a one-stop shop it's not a one day you just don't believe everything and you're fine no the stuff it lingers um and i remember going upstairs to another woman in the care home who became a bit like a, a surrogate mother in many ways telling her what happened and she was lovely and this was all consensual, by the way. I absolutely wanted this. <laughs> I was so into this. Um, but we didn't use any protection. I told my mum the next day, and bless her, she panicked and told me I needed to get the copper IUD fitted because we didn't use any protection and the morning after pill can fail. That's That was interesting. But in defence of the copper IUD, I loved it, and I still love it as a form of contraception because there was no hormones and no pills to forget to take which I would so side note and it was in this time that I was building up my life again and because I had so much time on the internet it was when I was living in this care home that I was starting dating like internet dating that's mostly how I met people and that was a crash course another crash course was that in this time, I had not just left Christianity and very much throughout everything. I ventured headfirst into the world of woo spirituality. I don't regret any of it. And apparently it's a really common trajectory when people leave either Christianity or, I don't know, a high uh, religion or or a cult, I'm not calling religions cults, but or a high demand group that you can kind of swing the other way to the pendulum. And I guess that's the kind of person I am sometimes. And so I was fully into the world of woo. I was going to yoga classes. I was going to spirituality groups. Um, and I joke that the pandemic came at the right time because I was full into conspiracy theories. You name it, I was into it or heard about it. I was reading all of the self-help books, spirituality books, which I kind of had to do because I was very determined that being sick would not be my life. You you name the book, I probably read it or heard of it. Louise L. Hay, Deepak Chopra, uh, What's It, A Course in Miracles. Oh, I can't remember all of them, but I read them. And what was I going to say? That was me pendulum swinging into the world of woo. But that also meant that I really ingested, internalized messages around my twin flame, finding my soulmate. And what I know now was that it was all of my insecurities and not feeling good enough and feeling like somebody had to complete me that was being concretized in new age stuff. that not on- I didn't realize that I was still making up for lost time in terms of dating relationships. And yet here I was (laughs) internalizing all of this stuff about finding your soulmate or twin flame, which meant that it was quite a few years of being infatuated with various men that were really inappropriate, unsuitable people, and rejecting men that could have been a really good fit for me. But because I didn't feel that they were my soulmate, I felt that it wasn't right. And it's a weird time when I think about it and I was deconstructing and at the same time trying to find myself and exploring my sexuality which had been denied to me before and exploring spirituality it meant that I guess if you've been around the world of woo wellness spirituality I either ended up falling in love with a lot of tantric fuckboys (laughs) Or like men who I thought were so spiritual. Oh my God, he's so spiritual. Turned out they were a dickhead. Um, (laughs) Or just having this idealized version because I'm pretty much heterosexual. I'm pretty much only attracted to cisgender men romantically and sexually. Although I think there's a lot of wiggle room there. But in general, I have only been attracted romantically and sexually to cisgender men, although I have met a few genderqueer folk who I've thought, uh huh. And I've only had romantic and sexual relationships with cisgender men. Um, but it meant that I was getting involved with stuff that was what I look, when I look back now, was seriously inappropriate. Like, I had quite a few older men as lovers. And this is where it also gets a bit sticky because two of them, (laughs) two of them, I learned so much about myself as a sexual and erotic being. And with one of them, I healed, I feel like I healed so much of the residual sexual shame that had been embodied, that was still living in my body. When I was, when we were lovers, I felt that I just was able to release so much. And it's why I'm a huge fan of sex work and surrogate partner therapy or any kind of intimate body work. Um, Within the right context, that's a whole other thing. Because I think there's some things that can only really be really resolved and released when you're literally hands-on, hands-in, in the field, in the bedroom, with someone's penis inside you or whatever. And that's where it gets a bit tricky. So with this lover, it was great. But a few others, that was definitely emotionally complicated. And I was unintentionally the other woman in a relationship I didn't know. This man, he told me or made me, led me to believe that it was an open relationship. Turns out it wasn't. Um, and my spidey senses felt off the whole time. And it we've drifted apart and it was a little bit emotionally difficult and then I found out a few years later that his partner at the time had no idea so yeah and as messy as all of this sounds I don't regret any of it I don't think I, I could not have learned anything any other way so also in this time I was exploring tantra going to tantra workshops festivals retreats And coming from Christianity, I always say Tantra was my gateway drug, (laughs) the gateway drug. It was my entry point to help me heal a lot of those spiritual sexual wounding. Because if you come from any form of religion, you'll know that there's a big split, a big embodied split between sex and spirit. And Tantra, sacred sexuality gave me... A metaphor gave me a language through which I was like oh I can be spiritual and sexual my sexuality can connect me to divinity I'm very critical of a lot of the world of Tantra now and I still love a lot of it so I was really embraced in it and I would say that I was very green very wide-eyed very just like oh my god it's so amazing I didn't know what I know now about icky abusive dynamics and cult dynamics But another thing that was coming up during this time of growing up, healing, recovery was I was so angry at Christianity. So angry. I had a few people pull me up on it because I was just ranting about it all the time. I was so angry. I was so angry at everything that had been taught that I'd been made to believe and seeing it reflected in the world. And I could not see certain things. Like, I couldn't walk past a church without feeling so triggered. I couldn't see certain teachings or hear certain things without feeling... I'm going to take a sip of water here. And what's really interesting was it wasn't, I think, until last year that I realised I'm not as angry at the church anymore. I'm now angry at a lot of uh the wellness spirituality world um but i'm not as angry at the church anymore and so i guess i want to say that if you are still in this really messy deconstruction process and by the way it is not linear my story my particular journey will not look the same to yours please try not to compare your i don't know trajectory to mine there's no such thing um but if you're in this point where you are so angry and so hurt and you may have really really legit valid reasons for feeling this angry and this hurt especially if you're queer especially if you experienced additional trauma especially if it you were involved in more culty aspects um it does get better it does you do get to a point where the anger no longer eats you alive, where it no longer, I guess, eats you alive. That's a pun there. Um, But one of the things when I think about this and when I work with clients who come from Christian backgrounds and they know that it's really fucked them up in terms of their relationship with sexuality is... One of the things I loved from the world of Tantra and sacred sexuality was the idea that you can find the sacred in the profane. (laughs) And by that, everything that we have been told is sinful, dirty, disgusting, ugly. There can be quote-unquote holiness in that, or whatever you define as it. Um, So I was at this Tantra workshop with a very well-known Tantra teacher, I won't name him here. And he was saying that Tantra is the path of transgression. And I love that. And he's like, so if somebody says to me, it's not, it's not spiritual to smoke a cigarette, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. If someone tells me it's not spiritual to eat meat, I'm going to eat meat. (laughs) And I was like, I love that. (laughs) Yes, please. And I was really delving into ideas of like the shadow archetypes and how everything that's in our shadow can be holy. So this was one of my, this was something that really helped me. Another thing that helped me was good old fashioned defiance, snark and cheekiness. So I remember once I was at an ecstatic dance class. I love ecstatic dance. And it just happened to be in Brighton in this beautiful old church um i think it's like the oldest church in brighton and it's actually really stunning in terms of the architecture um and it was at night and we had fairy lights on and it was one of those it is one of those um in english in the uk we say high church so it had an altar with um a sanctuary with like a great big jesus hanging on the cross with wounds sleeping out of him so like a little bit catholic which is high church and I was dancing in front of this Jesus on the cross. And I was sending my sexual energy to him. And I was caressing and stroking my breasts in front of him. And to me, this was a way of taking it back, taking back all of the shaming messages I'd learned and internalized about sexuality and sending it back. Um, also in Brighton, when we used to live in Brighton, we used to live just up the road from a very big um, church. And what I would do is often when I walk past it, I'd imagine sending sexual energy, a little bit of pussy energy to it. For me, these acts of defiance, these acts of taking what I was told was bad and transmuting it was a brilliant way of healing. This is why I love... Um, like a really dear friend and colleague now, Shawnee Love, when he introduced me to Conscious Kink and Ritual and how we can use ritual and eros, this to me was mm, spoke to my soul. Because if you've come from Christianity or religion and you've left it, and when I say you've come from it and left it and it's left a scar, it's because often you really genuinely wholeheartedly believed in it It, it, you devoted your life to it um one of my friends who is very dear to me and is still a christian and is a progressive christian and i love her to bits and she reminded me that when you are a christian it's not just about um going reading the bible and going to church it is the very filter through which you relate to the world and you see the world And so when you've been really in it and this has been your lens through which you have seen and interacted with the world, going through faith deconstruction is very messy, very painful. It's ugly. (laughs) It's not clean cut. It is not linear. It is layers of an onion. And let me destroy this illusion right now that going through religious deconstruction or deconstruction from any kind of spiritual belief it ain't pretty sorry about that but the point I was making is that because you are so in it then when you leave it there's still a part of you that really misses that spiritual connection that feeling of oneness that feeling of transcendence that feeling of being connected to something bigger than you of I'm like, now I really miss the church I grew up with because I miss the people. I miss having that community. And so in my perspective and opinion, and please take from this what resonates with you. In my perspective and opinion, when you are recovering from that wounding, finding a different outlet for spirituality and spiritual connection I think is really super important because it's like you get to reform those neural pathways. You get to take back the stuff, or cast out, or I don't know, God, cast out—that's a bit biblical. <laughs> you get to throw out the stuff that was really damaging and deliberately cherry pick. And I'm deliberately using the term cherry pick because often uh, one of the things we're told in the church is you cannot cherry pick your faith guess what? You can. You get to cherry pick what resonates for you when it comes to spirituality because none of this stuff is proven. It is all subjective. It is all somebody else's interpretation. You get to cherry pick as long as you are, in my opinion, you are considering the innate worth and humanity of everybody on the planet. And you are coming from a place as much as you can of love and acceptance and love. There's a whole other tangent I could go there because there are many cases in which spirituality, new age, woo, spirituality goes really fucking dangerous. As we've seen during the pandemic, as more people who come from cults come out and say what was damaged. But... In all of this time, so I was in the, this is circling back, when I was in the wellness, when I was really in the world of woo, I really came to learn, I really came to love and embrace paganism and Wicca. Ooh, I know. But as a way of, first of all, realizing that all of the Christian holidays and festivals are based on paganism that paganism, and I mean paganism in the UK and in Northern Europe, every country and culture, every indigenous country and culture has some form of, uh, either you could say paganism or animism or some sort of earth-based spirituality before they were colonised, either by the Christians or the Muslims or any other dominant religion. But for me, connecting in with paganism and connecting him with ritual was really powerful, and I read this really wonderful book, and I still have it, it's called The Spiral Dance by someone called Starhawk, who is known as, I think, kind of a pioneer in UK-based Wicca, and I can't remember where, but she was saying, and this part really stuck with me, and she said, she said that when it comes to rituals of any kind, religious rituals, spiritual rituals, does not matter. First of all, they're all made up. But it doesn't matter what the ritual is. It does not matter. The point of the ritual is that humans have been doing rituals for eons, since we walked the earth. Humans have always created rituals to mark the passing of something. To do rituals is part of being a human. And it's an innate part of our humanity. And it does not matter what the ritual is, what is involved. The point is, it is communicating with your subconscious to do something. And that really hit home with me. And it gave me more permission. So I'm thinking how I can summarize this some more. Because also whenever somebody asks someone their story... It really depends what angle you're coming from. But to put in a very brief nutshell, in this time of living in this care home in Eastbourne, um, I started blogging. So because, again, I was unemployed. I had all the time in the world. And I'm somebody who is insanely curious about everything. I can't not learn things. I started blogging. Um, I also started a small business, making perfume. Because I was still very much of the, yeah, why not? And working with a recovery coach and I think this is where I left off some from the last episode and fast forward to doing the sex coaching training and the sexological training sexology and the sexological training I did and being involved in the sex positive community has been so incredibly incredibly healing because I'm a nerd. I've always been a nerd. I've always been a clever clogs, teacher's pet. What I loved about it is that it gave me academic background, academic proof, academic evidence for why this shit works (laughs) and why uh, the, not just the Christian, but the shame-based messages around sexuality were so damaging. And it was a space where I got to be just myself and where my sexuality was fully embraced and celebrated. And I, this is where, this is why I do the work I do because it was, you know, I guess between 2015 when I started this training until pretty much before the pandemic when everything was very different I was so involved in the world of sexology and sex positivity, both in my training, both in my work, um, in the people I networked with, the people that I hung out with. It became such a part of my life and a way in which, a filter through which I saw the world, but I don't see anything different now. And it's something that I wanna give to you as an absolute possibility. What would it be like to fully celebrate your sexuality? as a beautiful integral important part of yourself just as much as everything else and to to have it celebrated by other people me other people loads of other people what would that be like how would you move in the world how would you approach your relationship relationships marriage when you celebrated it where you had where it was on your mantelpiece you know I've had uh, clients who have had their vulva cast and had their boobs cast and hung it on the wall I've one of the things I get my clients to do if they want to is to create a little altar by an altar it does not have to be anything woo it can represent the seasons and to have a few things that represent your sexuality I have an altar right here in my office um, and again if you're somebody who is let's say spiritually minded including your sexuality in that practice. So that it's just as much, whoopsie, I just whacked my microphone because I'm gesticulating wildly. What would it be like to have that as part of your life and to just embrace it? I'm wondering how I can finish off this episode. It was deliberately a non-linear, non-planned one because I didn't want to go into every single detail and date of in 2017. There's many other stories I can share. If I'm to bring this to a conclusion, the past, since the pandemic, which has coincided, I mean, I believe everything, is, everything works out in the way it's meant to. The pandemic for me coincided with doing very deep somatic nervous system trauma work. I did a trauma awareness training literally the weekend before shit hit the fan in the UK with a pandemic, which is amazing timing. And it was in that training where I realized, oh, holy shit, I am so dysregulated. And so the pandemic was a time for me to do a lot of deep somatic work. And in many ways, I feel like a completely different person now, which I think a lot of us do because of the pandemic. It was a time of deep catalyst changes and it's only April to 2023 now. And this has been... I feel another piece I add to the work in that celebrating your sexuality and trusting your body as a wise vessel. Because if you think about it, sex generally happens in the body in general, you know, and I think if you're listening to this, you probably resonate with the fact that most of us come from a very disembodied place, Western culture very disembodied disembodiment is everywhere and more people are realizing that we need to actually befriend our bodies from the inside out and if i'm to tie this together still i'm somebody who i don't know let's rephrase that i am still living with a body that is very reactive i'm mindful of talking about chronic illness because in all of the recovery work I've done in chronic illness recovery, um, part of it is being really mindful how you talk to yourself about it and how you relate to your condition, the condition. Not trying to deny it, not gaslighting it, not at all. In many ways, welcoming it for what it's teaching you. But I'm not going to be saying in my Instagram bio that I am a Spoonie I'm not a Spoonie I'm Lucy this is actually a big part of my of me recovering was stopping identifying with the fact that I was Lucy with Emmy no I'm I'm Lucy I actually had to tell my mum to stop talking to me talking about me to her friends as my daughter with Emmy because I'm Lucy but I still live with a body that is very reactive and likes to throw up all sorts of symptoms that are very frustrating. And as I was diagnosed with ADHD in 2021, um, it's been embracing the way that my brain and my body work best. And this is something I want to, and I aim to say transmit to my clients, oh God, help my clients explore, embrace, whatever. But the more you can really let your body tell you what it needs to tell you and embrace your, embrace what your body's telling you. I feel another podcast episode coming on, particularly on, so I'll say this. Another, I don't know, healing part or healing message I learned when I was doing this sexual healing work was the idea that our bodies are innately wired for pleasure and that when we are children, we automatically know how to express joy. We automatically we know how to play. We know how to, you know, if, for example, if you take a child to a sweet shop and they'll be like, oh, wow, and, you know, that their, their face will light up. Kids in general, unless there's been a major traumatic event, which is... Uh, um, how you can kind of tell there's been a traumatic event kids know how to play they know how to express this innate joy and creativity and it's when something traumatic happen, happens or when adults try and squash it out of them that shit hits the fan and things go wrong <laughs> lucy's very <laughs> very broad nutshell definition of childhood trauma and how it shows up in other ways but I and mean, then for me it was then learning that my body there's an innate part of me that knows how to express my sexuality and enjoy my sexuality and i get to come back to that and the more i let my body do what it wants to do and embrace this animal part of me and embrace my breasts and my vulva my pussy my anus everything is just another normal part of me well, not just sex gets better but i feel freer in my body and everything feels freer. And that's something that I aim to help my clients experience this innate freedom in your body, in your system, in your sexuality of like, it gets to be. So I'm gonna end this here, part two. Um, And I feel this is how it was meant to come across. I have all sorts of ideas of other episodes, but I'd love to hear your takeaways from this. Which parts really resonated with you? Which parts maybe mirrored your own story? Because I really believe that when we share our own story, it gives other people permission. It gives other people that, oh my God, that happened to me too. So I'd love to hear which parts really just buzzed. I don't want to say hit you, but resonated that, oh God, yeah, that was me. I'd love to hear. And if all of this sounds like something you want in terms of experiencing the joy and liberation of your sexuality then I would love to work with you one-to-one um I work only with women or people with vulvas who resonate more with the femme spectrum and we work together for six months I call it shameless (laughs) one-to-one to uncover your shame your sexual shamelessness so do get in touch and I guess that's the end of today's episode. So enjoy the rest of your day and live exquisitely. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Can you do me a huge favour? I would be so grateful if you could rate and review this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify and any other platform I post this podcast to. It helps more people listen to it and it helps spread the word. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode or any of the other episodes, I would be so grateful if you shared it with someone who you think would really enjoy it and benefit from it. Want to stay in touch on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Lucy rowett, on TikTok at Lucy Rowett, and on Facebook and LinkedIn and probably other social media platforms too. And finally, don't forget to join my mailing list. If you sign up, you get a free pdf on how to confidently communicate in bed to avoid awkwardness and have what you really really want so it's in the link in my show notes it's in the link in my bio in my instagram it's on my website it's in loads of places so do sign up because not only do you get me direct into your inbox but because i talk about sex i never know if i'm going to be banned from any social media platform So let's stay in touch and if you want to explore working together, you can contact me through my website or through the link in my show notes. Until then, here's to living a shameless, shame-free life full of pleasure on your own terms in your body. Until next time.